Thank you for listening to Southside Baptist Church's podcast. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's southsidesbc.org. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus and why we serve him, please email us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thank you for listening. Aren't you grateful for what Christ has done for us? Amen. Um, sometimes we can, we can think, you know, that's, that's just the basics. We've got we've to move past that and so forth, friends. But listen, that is, that is what everything revolves around. It's what he's done for us. And um, the grace, his mercy that he poured out on the cross that, that allows us to be free and allows us to uh, worship him uh, freely. As we talked about last week, to hopefully well up from within us in thankfulness and praise for what he has done for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing this morning um, in a series that we began last week talking about um, being the church and essential elements of, of the church for, for all ages. Um, before we get into that, I want to share with you something uh, exciting, I believe, that we're going to be doing here. I want you to uh, take out your calendar, your iPhone, uh, your lipstick, something you can write this down with. Um, it's in your bulletin, actually, already. So, But um, I do hope you'll put it on your calendar. And that is for Friday night, March 22nd. So um, we have several worship teams. Cody is leading us this morning and with um, a lot of our, our own folks this morning. Uh, we have our regular worship team. And then we have um, what is kind of our youth worship team, but is also kind of like some of them aren't youth anymore. And so that's the team that leads a lot of times. Yeah, Jagger's, Jagger's he, technically, I know his dad would still say he's still a youth, uh, still a teenager, but... but, but uh, so anyway, uh, that that worship team, is, since they were all in youth group, um, has been called Reverb. And so and Jagger came to me um, here several weeks ago. And so we've been planning something that is, uh, I, I'm pretty excited about. Friday, March 22nd, we're calling it Church Family Night. Um, and so listen, if you're able to be here, I would encourage you to. Um, it, it's not, uh, we're going to worship, but it's not going to be really just a worship service. Okay, we're going uh, we're going to worship, we're going to we're going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to have food because we're good Baptists, okay? Um, and so we're just going to kind of, we're going to be the church. Um, kind of what we're talking about during this series, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of that uh, on that night. And so I would encourage you to be a part of this. We're working um, hard on just doing it. It's going to be a time everybody's going to enjoy this as, as we um, just come together as a church family and lift up our hearts and our voices as we, in prayer to the Lord, and we pray for our church, we pray for our community, um, we pray for our nation, and, uh, and then, we, um, then we have some food. And so, again, be good Baptists. So, um, I mentioned this several weeks ago. Kathy Menes is our um, uh, hostess team leader, fellowship team leader. So, Kathy, raise your hand if you will. I won't make you stand up. Um, for the food part of that, we're going to do finger foods and desserts. And so, uh, you can come see Kathy afterwards. Mark, if you help me remember afterwards just to remind them that if they can come see Kathy if they want to go ahead and sign up there's also a sign up sheet on the welcome desk out here um, and in the kids area as well see I can take uh, Kathy's pointing to make sure I remember all these things um, Kathy's doing a great job with that uh, but there's lots of places to sign up you can see Kathy go to the welcome desk go to the children's check-in desk there's a sign-up sheet there, uh, just so we'll know um, what people are bringing and so forth. Um, to count, it's going to be at 6.30 um, on that Friday night, and then uh, so we'll um, 6.30 to probably about 8 or however long you want to fellowship and so forth. So um, just uh, uh, we'll have a good time together as a church family. Um, this morning, we, as I said, we're continuing in our series on being the church, and as we talk about what are the um, essential elements of the church, because there are things that change. Um, as uh, we talked about last week, as the times change, there are things um, that need to change. But there are also things that need to stay the same, and so um, we're talking about that. What are those things that stay the same throughout all, all time and all ages? Uh, one Sunday morning, a pastor was... Um, was walking through the church, and he, he passed through the foyer 
um, outside of their sanctuary, the church where he was pastoring. And he came, as he passed through the foyer, there was a little young, a young man, uh, about six years old, um, named Alex, was standing in the foyer, just kind of staring up at the wall at a plaque that was on the wall that was filled with names and had uh, two American flag, little American flags on each side of it. And, and so uh, little Alex was standing there just staring at this plaque. And as the pastor came in, he said, good morning, Alex. Alex turned briefly and said, good morning, pastor. And so the pastor just kind of stood there next to him for a second as Alex just continued to stare at this plaque. And, and um, the pastor finally said, uh, everything okay, Alex? He said, oh, yes, sir, pastor. He said, pastor? Um, what is this? He said, oh, well, Alex, he said, that's, um, that's a memorial to all the young men and women who died in the service. Alex got this real puzzled look on his face. So he continued to stare at the plaque, and the pastor began to go, thought, he said, Pastor, he said, which service? The 9 o'clock or... Or the 11. <laughs> you know, we, we laugh and many of you like to make jokes about those who fall asleep in the service or those who maybe look like they're dead in the service. Um, but um, the problem is that many people think that if they've just been to church, whether they've listened or just slept, that they have done their duty, that they can check that box and they can go on about their lives, but the reality is there's more to it than that, amen? There's more to it than that. We talked about last week, what are the essential elements? If we're going to be the church, what are the things that need to last? There's lots of elements and things that change as the times change, but what are those things that last? We talked about last week worship, and listen, in the church, in any church, uh, worship can be a hot-button topic, and so there are certain things that, that change as, as time moves on, I and mean, we don't um, still worship in Gregorian chant, although that may not be a bad idea from time to time, um, but there are things that change, but there are things that stay the same. And so we talked last week about the fact that while styles of worship change, instruments change, those kind of things, the fact that needs to remain is uh, it ought to well up within us as believers a worship for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that stays the same. And so how we worship changes with the times, but the fact that we worship and that it should be from our heart should never change, no matter what. So we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to talk about another desire that we ought to have as believers and as a church, um, a, a desire, again, that should stay the same, that should, that should never go away, and that should, um, that should be a part of what we do as a church and a part of what we do as individuals. Friends, that is a desire to grow in the Word. In our world today, uh, people have a desire for knowledge of all sorts. You know, um, people want to know, can we find a cure for cancer? Is there life on other planets? Uh, what, uh, uh, they wanna under, people want to understand the physical world around us. Is, is global warming a real thing? There's lots of things that people want to know about, Right? We want to find out about these things. But what about a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? What about a craving, a desire for spiritual things? I want you to look in our text this morning in 1 Peter. We're going to start out in chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, our, the central verse, if you will, of our text this morning is, is chapter 2, verse 2. Um, you are probably somewhat familiar with this. It's a fairly familiar verse that says this, as newborn babes, like newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Peter here is giving us a command. Now, normally we think that our desires are not able to be commanded. But Peter's giving us a command. It's, a, it's an imperative participle here that we are to, uh, to, to desire the pure milk of the word. Like newborn babes. Now often we, um, I don't know that there are many things that we could, um, that, that could we, the things that we're supposed to do that could be compared to newborn babies, right? But here 
Peter says, like newborn babies, crave, desire, long for the pure milk of the word. He compares the word of God to milk for a baby. It's interesting enough, it's interesting here that um, Peter doesn't just say like babies because, you know, as kids grow, they begin to grunt and point, right? Mm, I want that, 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 you know, and begin to say words and so forth. But he says like newborn babies crave, desire the pure milk of the word. I got to thinking about that and, and what, is, what is unique about a newborn baby? It is the fact that when they want something, they want it, right? For those of you who either have newborn babies or have, at some point, had newborn babies, listen, with a one-year-old, you can kind of shush them a little bit. A two-year-old, definitely, even as they're growing six, nine months, whatever, but a newborn baby knows only one thing when they want what they want, and what is that? To cry to scream, to, ah, right? And, and you know, generally speaking, there's only a couple of things that that can mean. And one of them is, I'm hungry. I'm hungry and I, I want something to eat, friends. So here, Peter compares the craving that we are supposed to have, the longing, the desire that we're supposed to have for the, for the pure milk of the word, for God's word to a baby craving Milk. How many of you have cried for God's word? Cried out saying, you know what? I've got to have it. I want it. I need it. Most of the time we just kind of, that's okay. No, we, like newborn babies, crave the pure milk of the word. I think as good Baptists, as people of the book, um, we, we, we want to crave the word. We, we know we need to crave the word. Amen? So how do we develop? How, how can we develop that craving? Remember, it's a command. It's an imperative he gives us here. Crave, long for, desire the pure milk of the word. Um, well, I believe Peter begins to lay the groundwork for this command to crave back in chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, Look there with me, if you will. Just back up about half a chapter. Verse 13, uh, Peter says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Here he's talking about, listen, um, focus, um, put away any distractions, so forth, and and, and get your mind right. And, And he says, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we just got through singing about how your grace is enough. What is, what is God's grace? It is um, his unmerited favor. So mercy is not getting what we do deserve. So God's mercy is, um, is when he doesn't give us hell because of what Christ has done. And his mercy is in salvation. But God's grace is on top of that. Whereas his mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. In other words, friends, he does not have to make us co-heirs with Christ. He does not have to prepare a place for us. He does not have to adopt us as his children, but he does. Amen? And so his mercy and his grace go hand in hand. Uh, But here, Peter tells us to rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we stand before God one day, listen, it is because of his mercy and his grace that that, 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 that the things that God has in store for us are far beyond anything that we can ever imagine. Amen? And we get to rest in that. We get, you know, it's kind of like, I know it's cold outside, but y'all pretend it's warm, you know, and there's, you pretend that you've laid your hammock out, and you've gone, and you just, what do you do in a hammock? There is no other way to really, you can't sit gracefully into a hammock, right? You can't, you know, if you, I don't know about your hammock, but if I try to sit in my hammock, my 
rear end touches the ground. So you have to lay back in that hammock, right? And you almost have to jump just to get in there, right? And then that hammock carries the whole, your whole weight. Friends, that's what Peter's saying here. Rest your hope fully. Don't put your hope in anything else in this world. Rest it in, in Christ Jesus, in, in what God has done for you. It, listen, our hope is fully and completely in him. Amen? Look down at verse 18. We'll come back to 14 through 17 here in just a few minutes. But we rest our hope fully upon the grace that is, is in Jesus Christ. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things or perishable things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. So we're not redeemed with things that, 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 that are going to fade away, with money, with those kind of things. God didn't buy us back with that, but he bought us back with the blood of his son as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Verse 20 tells us he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So um, the world wants to tell us that, you know what, um, uh, here's, how we, here's how the world came about and here's the things that, that happened and so forth, friends. But God's word tells us differently. And that in the beginning, God. In the beginning, it was God and God alone. Okay? Um, there was no there was no matter floating out in space. You say, well, well how did God, God make the world? How did God make the universe? He created out of nothing. He created out of nothing. In fact, the word create there in Genesis, uh, uh, the first part of Genesis there means out of nothing. In other words, God spoke it into existence. God didn't have to take stuff that already exists and make a cake. No, he spoke it into existence. But what this verse says here in 1 Peter chapter 1 is that before God ever spoke the world into existence, before the foundation of the world, Jesus Christ was foreordained as the Savior of the world. See, God knew before he spoke it into existence what would happen with Adam and Eve. He knew that we, in human, we as human beings would sin and fall and disobey him. He knew that that sin would separate us from him, but he also knew that the only answer to that, the only solution was to send Christ to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And so Jesus was foreordained. That was plan A. It wasn't plan B. It wasn't like God created the world and then we sinned and God said, oops. No, he knew it. He knew from beforehand. And so it was when God set, set the world in motion, when he spoke it into existence, he already knew all of this, friends. And, and, and the fact that he knew exactly when Jesus would come, it wasn't like God was sitting up into heaven and was saying, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? Is it now? No, God knew. From before he ever created the world. It says here, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but it was manifest, was made known in these last times for you. It was, as the scripture says, when the fullness of time had come, at the exact right moment, Jesus came to do what we could not do for ourselves. In verse 21, talking about it says, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He did all of that. Why? So that we could be saved, so that we could be his children, so that we could spend eternity with him, friends. And so it's because of that that our hope should rest fully in whom? The Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. It is by resting our hope fully and completely upon the work of Christ and nothing else that our craving for the word, for his word, begins to grow in our lives. I was trying to think of how to illustrate this. I'm not sure that this is a great illustration, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Um, we, um, we're doing a, a small home remodeling project at home, um, redoing a bathroom. And um, in that process, there are things that, um, that me and, and that we're doing, and there are things that I'm hiring done. And so uh, I, one of the things I think about remodeling is knowing what you can do yourself and knowing what you need to hire others to do. And so one of the things that I've always felt about hiring somebody else to do um, is plumbing work. Um, because the last thing that I want when I get my project all nice and done is water to be leaking behind the wall. And so um, I called a plumber and had him come out and of course, we ripped, ripped everything down to the studs, took the sheetrock off and everything. And so 
Um, we needed to redo some plumbing even behind the walls and so forth. But we were ta- talking with him and talking about, hey, I still need to go pick my faucets and so forth. And um, do you have a suggestion as far as what brand or whatever I should use? And some of you probably already know this if you are good at remodeling and stuff. But he said, um, he said um, make sure you get Delta. Delta, really? Why Delta? And he said, well, he said, number one, they stand behind their products. And listen, not that others don't. He said, but second, the reason we plumbers like that Delta is because all of their um, parts are uh, interchangeable. Um, because when he puts the stuff behind the wall, um, the, 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 the rough end stuff, uh, it doesn't matter what we pick as the finish, um, finish faucets and so forth, that it'll just fit right on there. So um, with his recommendation of Delta... Uh, get a delta in fact um, then he came and did the rough ends and put the delta stuff behind the walls I had to do a delta it had to be delta so when I went to the store to pick out a faucet and I looked and I saw uh, mowing stuff or or price fist or whatever uh, it was no not that but what delta because he recommended that he said, listen, Delta's, your, Delta's what you want. Um, I rested my hope fully in Delta, and therefore I chose a, my desire. What I was looking for when I went to the store was a Delta. Friends, um, I believe in a similar type way. If, if our hope is only in Christ, then we're only concerned about what he says. We're not going to go looking somewhere else for advice or guidance or how to how to live our life but if our hope is only in Christ we rest our hope fully in the grace that God has revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ then uh, if I trust that and I'm believing in that and that only and I'm resting fully in that then where am I going to look for uh, how to live my life we'll look at what God says amen well, look at God says. That's how resting our hope fully in the Lord Jesus Christ helps us to uh, have a desire for the word. You see, when it comes to guidance and direction in their lives, most people want to leave their options open. Yeah, they want to know what the scripture says, but they also, let's see what popular opinion says, or let's see what, what my horoscope says, or let's see maybe what even people on Facebook have to say and so forth. Friends, I just want to encourage you, if you will settle in your mind that it only matters what God says. If you'll rest your hope fully on him, friends, because his word contains all we need for life and godliness. If you'll rest your hope completely and fully in him, then the desire you have for his word will begin to grow. It won't matter what anybody else says. It won't matter um, uh, what, what popular opinion says. It won't matter what you read and whatever. Friends, it, it, you'll only want to know what God says. Rest your hope fully in the work of Christ and your desire for the word will begin to grow. Number two, not only do we need to rest our hope fully in the work of Christ, but the second way I believe we um, can de- develop a craving for the word of God is to reject sin and live our lives committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look back at chapter 2 again. We started by reading verse 2, but the command actually begins in verse 1. Peter writes, therefore... Laying aside all malice. Now, interestingly enough here, um, I may have misspoke earlier because uh, verse 2 is, a, is an imperative. The word desire is an imperative. Here in verse 1, it is an imperative participle. Uh, in other words, uh, the laying aside. So it doesn't come across with the force in English that it does in Greek, but this is a command. It is a, 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 an imperative participle. It is a command that we need to lay aside all malice. Uh, now, we think of that as harm towards somebody else, but in the Greek word is, is really means general wickedness. Lay aside all malice, all deceit or dishonesty, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Um, can I just say this? But I think that covers pretty much every sin. Amen. 
Um, it's pretty encompassing. So before Peter says for us to, like newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, what he tells us is to lay aside the sin in our lives. Now, when we see verse 1 here, it's, it says, therefore. Anytime we see the word therefore, we need to see what it is therefore. And so I believe verse 1 of chapter 2 here um, points back to verse 14 of chapter 1, where we just left off. Because in verse 1, it tells us to lay aside malice, all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking to desire the pure milk of the word. Verse 14 of chapter 1 says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. So, and when we become and rest our hope, come to Christ, come to faith in Christ, and rest our hope fully in Jesus as our Savior and Him alone, uh, we become hopefully obedient children. We are obeying, we are promising to obey God as, uh, and Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. And here he says, not conforming ourselves to the former lust, former desires. So we come to Christ, he becomes our Lord, and we turn from our sin. We turn from it having a, a, a being something that we want in our lives, and we put our faith and trust in Christ. So not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Um, we know that the word holy is something that describes God, but uh, we, we think of that and we think of perfection. Uh, and so how are we to be holy as God is holy? The word holy means to be set apart. As we, ref- as we think about God, it means that God is set apart from all things that are profane. Thus how we get the idea, the concept that God is perfect. He is sinless because he is set apart from anything and everything that is profane. So how then are we? You say, but, but pastor, um, we, we, even after we're saved, God looks at us as if we've never, we, we don't sin, but we are still living these sinful bodies. So how do we then become holy um, as God is holy? Well, friends, we are to be set apart unto him. Um, we get a couple other English words from the same roots. Uh, we are to be consecrated. We are to be dedicated unto him. It doesn't mean that we're sinless. It means that um, our lives seek to honor the Lord and that when we do sin, we are quick to, um, quick to listen to the Holy Spirit of God and we are quick to turn from that sin, as verse 14 says, not conforming ourselves to the former lust, as verse 1 in chapter 2 says, laying aside all malice, all all, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, and consecrate ourselves unto the Lord because, verse 16, it says, be holy, he says, as I, for I am holy. So, friends, what Peter is saying here is he's encouraging us to turn from sin and to surrender ourselves to the Lord, to live lives that are set apart unto the Lord. Because rejecting sin helps us to reduce a craving for sin in our lives. Do you hear what I said? That's contrary to what the world will say. The world says, oh, if you have an urge, then just do it. You know, um, go ahead and, and, and give in to that urge because you're not going to be able to resist anyway, so give in to that urge, and then, then you won't have that urge again. But, friends, the reality is that the more we give into it, the more it feeds it. So rejecting sin actually helps us reduce a craving for sin in our lives. And the opposite of that is that the living in obedience to the Lord, living set apart, consecrated, dedicated to the Lord, living in obedience to him, helps us develop a craving for his word. Um, recently, um, my doctor and I have been having a conversation. I don't really like what he's been telling me. Anybody been there? Okay. Um, but I'm trying to listen. My doctor's been telling me, encouraging me to eat less salt. Now, um, not like I've been eating it by the spoonful or anything, you know. I mean, that's, when I say eat less salt, I mean to use less salt on my food, right? Uh, he says, 
My doctor says that the less salt I use, the less salt I'll need. That he says that food will begin to taste better with less salt. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems opposite to me. Um, It seems to me like the more salt I use, the better it's going to taste. Amen. And that's why I tend to use, have you tend to use a lot of salt. I really haven't worried about that, but what do I know? So my doctor's encouraging me to eat less salt. Now, let me just in all honesty here say I'm far from where I need to be in this little illustration here, okay, or in real life. I'm far from where I need to be with my salt levels, but as I've begun to put this into practice, I've already tended to find this to be true. In fact, we, we went to see a movie um, this past week, and I even recently went uh, at some movie popcorn that had been, um, you know, loaded with salt because it was too salty, whereas, uh, you know, I, I could usually eat any kind of salt and what have you. So, surprise, my doctor, I guess, is proven correct, and I'm proven wrong. So, by rejecting salt... To some degree, my craving for non-salty foods has increased. Pastor, why are you telling us about your health? I don't know. Uh, But here's why I'm telling you about that. Because I believe verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2 are suggesting something similar. Here's what I believe it's suggesting. That we cannot crave both sin and the word at the same time. We can't crave them both. You know, we can't have our cake and eat it too. And by the way, um, I would, I've been told that what I just said about salt is also true about sugar. I'm pushing that, that thought out of my mind, but um, probably shouldn't. But, but verse 1 and verse 2, I believe, are suggesting uh, that we cannot crave both sin and the word at the same time. In other words, if our craving for sin is high, then our craving for the word will be low. However, if our craving for the word is high, then guess what happens to our craving for sin? It will be low. So, friends, if we want to increase our craving for the word, We must not only rest our hope fully in the work of Christ, but we must reject sin and live lives set apart unto the Lord. Amen? Number three. Not only must must we rest our hope fully in the work of Christ, not only must we reject sin and live our life committed fully to the Lord, but third, friends, I believe in order to increase our desire for the Word, We must understand the work of God's Word in our lives. We must understand the work of God's Word in our lives. Um, If you're here this morning and you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've been saved, if you're a child of God, you've been born again, then that happened. Because of the work of God's word in your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to look at what verse 23 says. Verse 23 tells us this. Now we're going to come back to 22 next week. But look at verse 23. Speaking of us as believers, it says... Having been born again. So if we're saved, we're born again. It means we're born spiritually. We've been born into the family of God by the Spirit of God. So having been born again, how does that happen? Not of corruptible seed or perishable um, seed that's going to die, but incorruptible, imperishable seed that lasts forever. Look what it says here. It says, through the Word of God. So interestingly here, it says, that we are born again. We know that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, the Holy Spirit comes and does a work in our heart when we um, respond to the gospel. But the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God. Isn't that interesting that the Holy Spirit inspired the men of Scripture to write God's Word? Amen? And then He uses God's Word 
in our lives to transform us and to, 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 to do the work in our heart, to regenerate us and in, in, in coming into the family of God. So the Holy Spirit does the work in our heart. It says, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Friends, we know that we are saved by the gospel. It is by putting our faith and trust in the reality that we are sinners. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Into interaction with those truths by either somebody telling us that or reading it in the word of God or or somehow, some way, the word of God communicating that to us. It is the word of God that contains the truths of God. Amen? That communicates the powerful saving truths of God. How do we know the truths of God except by the word of God? We know it's trustworthy. We know it's true because God's word tells us. Amen? Tells us what Christ has done for us. So the word of God is very important in our lives because it is how the truths of God are communicated to us. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look at what verse 24 says about the word. Because a lot of people put their trust in the world and the ideas of the world and the philosophies of the world. But verse 24 says that we, when we're born again, we're born um, of incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then verse 24 and 25 quotes uh, from Isaiah chapter 40 here. says, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. So what's he saying there? Well, the grass withers and its flower falls away. In other words, what he's saying here is all flesh. is. Listen, the ideas of man are going to fade. Why do we trust in what man says? What modern philosophy says? You know, uh, the internet, since the, the rise of the internet, the, the amount of written material in the world um, has exploded. You know, books were prevalent before that. And, um, you know, an expert writes a book on this, or an expert writes a book on this, or an expert writes a book on this. Listen, there is no expert that's going to write a book that supersedes this. I don't care how smart they think they are, how much they've discovered and found out. God knows because he created it all. Now, so all flesh is as grass, all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. That's exactly what Isaiah is saying there. Listen, I don't care how smart somebody thinks they are, how great they think they are, but the grass withers and his flower falls away. But every single person and their opinion is going to die with them. So what endures forever? Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Friends, it is his truth that lasts. That's why we should found our lives on his truth, not on what we think is right. Well, you know, in talking to people about faith, what do you believe in? What do you trust in? Well, here's what I think. You know what I always come back to when somebody says that? Well, here's what I believe. Here's Here's the way I think things are. Here's the way I see it. That's fine. My question for you is this. What are you basing? what you think, and what you believe on. What are you basing it on? Well, that's just kind of the way, through my experiences, that's what I've just, that's what I think to be true. Well, that's fine, but let me ask you something. Are you infallible? You'd be surprised how much people argue. Part of where wisdom begins is understanding that he is God and we are not. Um, you know what? I, I look back at verse 17. Verse 17 of chapter 1. Verse 17 chapter, or excuse me, chapter 1 verse 17 says this. Um, I, I inadvertently skipped over this a minute ago, but 
good time to bring it back in. It says, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. So what's he saying if you call on the Father? This is just another way of saying, listen, if you're saved, if you call yourself a child of God, look at what it, there's a command here, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here. Uh, I love kind of the way he's saying that. It's almost like, listen, you know, while you're on vacation here, now, what's he talking about? He's talking about, listen, while this is, this is our temporary home, this world is, if we are a child of God. So if, you're, if you call God your father, conduct yourself here on this earth in what? Fear. But pastor, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Yes, you're absolutely right. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about fear of the Lord. Well, pastor, I thought we weren't supposed to fear the Lord because Christ died for our sins and we therefore have nothing else to fear. We don't have anything to fear, but we should conduct ourselves in and with a healthy fear of the Lord. That simply means that we understand that he is God and we are not. And that what we think is right needs to defer to what he says is right. The word of the Lord, verse 25, endures forever. In the case we, we've kind of not understood that, Peter is very clear. He says, now this is the word. He said, listen, you not understand what I'm talking about here? This is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. He's saying, listen, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the gospel, the word of the gospel that was preached to you. So, friends, listen, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has used the Word of God to do a miracle of God in your heart and birth you into the family of God. The Word of God was instrumental in you coming to faith in Jesus Christ and you being saved and your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you getting to spend eternity in heaven with God. So if the word of God was that instrumental in your life, and it did that in your life, don't you think it deserves a worthy place in your life now? That same word which brought you to faith in Christ is what can grow you up in him. So we come back to chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Friends, we need to desire the milk of the word. God's word is powerful. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word can work on us, perform surgery on us, help us get rid of things that we need to get out of our lives, friends, and to surrender our life fully and completely to the Lord. It will help us to grow in up in Christ. God's word is powerful. That's why, as newborn babes, desire, long for, crave the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In other words, if you've experienced his grace, his mercy, how do we not desire and crave the word of God to do its work in our lives? I want to close with a story. Um, I don't know if you guys um, saw this story. It was... Um, it was on WSBT this past week, um, but there is a lady by the name of Michelle Blanford um, lives in Niles, Michigan. I know we have some Nilonians here, whatever. I don't know what you call Nile, people from Niles. This is her picture of her. Michelle Blanford um, in Niles, Michigan owns a bakery called All Over Creations Bakery. Um, I didn't ask her if I could share the story. It was on the news, so I figured I could and um, give her some free publicity here at church this morning. But um, I just thought this story was very interesting because uh, Michelle Blanford, um, while she has a bakery here in Niles, Michigan, um, a cousin, uh, she makes, you know, custom cakes for weddings, um, 
uh, birthdays, anniversaries, those kind of things. A cousin of hers in Atlanta contacted her about making a cake for her granddaughter's birthday party, but the problem is her cousin lives in Atlanta. And so um, her cousin actually said, I wish you were closer. I'd have you do the cake. Well, Michelle got to thinking she was going um, to, the, to, to Atlanta to visit them anyway, and she said, well, maybe I'll just make the cake here and bring it with me. So Michelle baked a three-layer cake, and it took it on the plane with her, yes, to Atlanta. That's why they, I guess they did a little story and stuff. Here's a picture of her because um, as she got on the plane, um, you don't buy a ticket for your cake next to a seat for your, play, your cake. Um, she actually has what's, I guess, called a cake safe. It's like a plexiglass box in which she puts the cake and... Um, the cake actually has to travel underneath the plane and cargo and so forth. And so she loaded up the, the cake and everything. She said she wasn't, she wasn't sure if it was going to make it or not. So she actually packed a lot of her tools and, and, and uh, things that she bakes with and so forth just in case. But she got on the plane, checked her cake into luggage, and took off. Now, can a, can a three-layer cake make it to Atlanta without tipping over or melting or something like that, well, you'll be pleased to know that, yes, her cake made it safe all the way to Atlanta, Georgia. She had a whispered or had a big sigh of relief as her cake got there, and she was so happy um, that the cake made it. Now, I'll tell you this story because I believe uh, we are kind of like that cake. Um, the destination was secure. Listen, if we know the Lord, our destination is secure. The cake was going to Atlanta. The question was, was it going to make it there all in one piece? Friends, if we're going to make it, our, our destination is secure. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, um, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ and Him alone. But if we're going to make it, through this life in one piece. We need to make his word a priority. We need to make his word an integral part of our lives. Because I don't know about you, I've seen plenty of people still mess up their lives by disobeying God's word. By not following what God says, not doing the things that he clearly lays out for us. Friends, if we're going to make it, if, if we want God's blessing on our lives, then we need to put the principles of his word into practice in our lives. Now, what does this mean practically for you and I? I would say this morning, first of all, friends, it means that we need to reject sin, be obedient to the Lord. As we reject sin, that desire for sin will decrease as we get in the Word, as we surrender more and more to the Word, guess what? That desire for God's Word will increase. So reject sin. Be obedient to what God tells you. I don't know what this means for you. Friends, I believe it means um, as individuals we need to be in the Word. So for some of you, so here's what tends to happen. is Some of you saying, you're right, Pastor, I need to be in the Word. Uh, I'm going to start reading um, a whole book of the Bible every day. Whoa, whoa, whoa there, Nilly. You'll make it about three days and then you'll quit. So start, start in the Gospel of John. Take five to ten minutes. Sit down with God's Word. Ask God to show you what He wants to show you. Speak to you how He wants to speak to you. And read God's word and ponder on it. For some of you, that's what, that's what it means. That's what getting in the word, prioritizing, craving the word means for you. For some of you, maybe you've been doing that for years. Maybe you do read a, a, a book of the Bible a day or whatever. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be, hey, you know what? I want to read the whole Bible through this year. Listen, if you've never, never read five to ten minutes a day, don't start there. Maybe for some of you, it's like, you know what, Pastor? I need to memorize God's Word. 
Maybe you need to get back to memorizing God's word. Oh, I used to be in Awana and I used to know all these verses and whatever. I need to get back to memorizing the word of God. Maybe for some of you it means uh, joining a connect group and getting involved in studying God's word with others. Maybe getting together you and, and, and a friend to study God's word together. Friends, I don't know what it exactly may mean for you, but let it mean something. As you begin to desire and crave the pure milk of the word. That craving and that desire will grow. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father. We are unworthy of the grace that you have bestowed upon us. We are sin-filled, often disobedient to what you call us to, Lord. Lord, convict us of those sins. Let your Holy Spirit work heavy in our hearts, Lord, to draw us to you and to draw us further into your word. Lord, as we rest our hope fully in you, as we reject the sin in our lives, Lord, grow that desire for your word each and every day. Lord, speak to us. Lord, use your word to transform us into the people that you want us to be, that we may be holy as you are holy. Lord, Um, Please, Lord, help us. Lord, help us from ever saying we, you are our Lord, you are our Savior, yet allowing sin to reign in our lives. Draw us ever so close, Lord. Closer to being who you want us to be. Lord, we're grateful for your gift of freedom, your gift of forgiveness that we don't deserve. Lord, help us now learn to walk in that. Help us learn to walk in obedience, being set apart unto you. Lord, I pray for each person that's here this morning. Lord, you know where they are in their walk with you. Lord, for those who are here who've never put their faith and trust in you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would say, yes, Jesus, I believe you died for me. Lord, for those who are here, who've just gone through life just just doing the motions, Lord, I pray that we would get serious about your word, get serious about growing in you, and that you would draw us to yourself as we crave, desire the pure milk of your word. Do your work in us this morning, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast. My name is Mark Hyde. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if there's any way we can pray for you, any decision that you might have made, or hey, maybe you had a question from today's sermon, feel free to shoot us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. Again, that's info at southsidesbc.org. And we would love to connect with you this week. So once again, thank you for listening.